and pro. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It was a night to remember. Those are the words of Walter Lord in his classic account of the final hours of the Titanic. It began on April 14th, 2012 and concluded a night of terror. On April 15th, 2012. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at the terror of the Titanic. Because it's a classic account, not only a classic account, but a classic metaphor for all of life. Yes, even a prophetic metaphor for our time. So I hope that you'll stay tuned, friends. I hope that you will stay tuned. Because the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable. And, of course, today, the majority of people really believe that America is unsinkable, this great ship of state, that somehow everything will turn around. I heard, actually, the messages from two Christian public leaders, prominent Christian public leaders, even former political leaders, who declared just this week, well, it's okay Things are tough now, but they're going to turn around, and uh, everything's going to be wonderful, and everything's going to be cool. Well, that's what they thought about the Titanic. That's what they thought even after it hit the iceberg. And so today on Viewpoint, we take a look at what really happened. We take a look at what really happened and what was foretold very fascinatingly in a novel titled Futility. The author of the novel was Morgan Robertson. And his book told the story of a magnificent ocean liner named Titan that struck an iceberg in the middle of the Atlantic and sinks. It was just a novel. Now, you might think that certainly sounds like the real story of the Titanic, but it really was a novel. The novel Futility. The fictional ship Titan is different from the Titanic in a few ways. The Titan uh, Titan was 1,800 feet long, while the Titanic was 1,882 feet long. The Titan was able to displace 66,000 tons of water, while the Titanic was able to displace 70,000 tons of water. Yet both the Titan and the Titanic were triple-screw ocean liners. They both traveled 25 knots per hour, and they both carried 3,000 passengers. So you might wonder... Why did Robertson bother to write a novel that so closely approximated the real account of the Titanic? Why would he go to the trouble of just changing a few minor details, including the name of the ship from Titanic to Titan? Well, the answer might surprise you. The real ship Titanic sank in 1912, but the novel Futility about the fictional ship Titan was published in 1898, 14 years before the real event of the Titanic. Was it a book about prophecy? Well, not really, but it was prophetic. It was prophetic because of the pathetic results that were going to take place via the Titanic. Maybe the title of his book, Futility, 
wasn't all that bad a title after all. It's amazing to think that a, that a book written more than a decade earlier could tell with laser-like accuracy what would happen in the future, isn't it? Yet the reality is, the truth is, that the Bible itself is filled with hundreds if not thousands of prophecies about future events. And many of those events have already come to pass. But there are many more yet to come to pass, and that's why we do this program today. The terror, or Titanic terror. Not just the terror on the Titanic, but the Titanic terror that is coming upon the earth. In fact, Jesus said, concerning our times, that men's hearts will fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. So you might think, well, I don't want to listen to any of that. Well, yes, you do want to listen. You might want to listen. In fact, you must listen. Because we're talking about a metaphor that has prophetic significance for you and for me and for all of us. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And we're going to hear the voices, the soundtrack from not the 1998 famous Titanic movie, but from one back in the 1950s that I personally think is more significant. We're going to hear about that, and indeed, you're not going to want to miss it in the second segment of the program here today. So, again, you're listening to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. The Titanic, you can call it Titanic deception, uh, a tale of haunting deception, hovering over history's most remembered disaster. In fact, there's probably only one other night in all of human history that is remembered more than the night the Titanic went down. You know what night that is? The night that Christ was born. That's probably the most remembered night in all of history. But the Titanic holds a close second when the lights flickered out and in a thunderous roll, everything on the super ship seemed to break loose. Beds and boilers lurched as the black hull of the RMS Titanic tilted perpendicularly. Its three great propellers reared against the heavens, and then it was gone. And 1,522 souls went with it. How many souls would go with America if it were to be tipped up perpendicular and the great ship of state that people think is unsinkable would end up being sunk. How many people? How many souls would go with it? That is, not just dead in the flesh, but dead permanently in the spirit. But yet there was no sense of urgency when the Titanic first struck the iceberg in North Atlantic about 11.40 p.m. on April 14, 1912. When Edith Brown Hazeman last saw her daddy, he was standing on deck smoking a cigar and smiling at his wife and daughter. And he said, I'll see you in New York. As his family was bundled into lifeboat number 14, even then they didn't get it. They didn't have a clue. Everyone kept saying she's unsinkable. But the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable. Emerging from the depths of the sea and lifeboat survivors is a tale of haunting deception and terror. 
hovering over history's most remembered disaster. Indeed, it was a night to remember. Said Walter Lord in his classic 1955 bestseller. But the Titanic was by no means the largest disaster in modern history. Unlike the, unlike the Lusitania and the Hindenburg, it had virtually no political import. Yet it remains the only disaster that people generally care about. Why is that? Well, Stephen Cox, author of the Titanic story, asks, what is there about the Titanic story that keeps us coming back to it? What is the significance of this story? You can have a real story without risks, but the best stories are those that ask the riskiest questions about good and bad. And when we try to answer them, we recover our sense of dignity in human life. And that's why, he said, we keep coming back to the Titanic story, because it makes us think about the things that really matter. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Titanic terror. Today we remember the sinking of the Titanic, April 14th, April 15th, 1912. It began at 11.40 p.m. at night and concluded two and a half hours later, the entire ship, the unsinkable, became the unthinkable, a sunken ship. And it's little wonder that historian Stephen Beale, in his reminiscent cultural history of the disaster called Down with the Old Canoe, speculates that the three most written about subjects of all time may be Jesus, the Civil War, and the Titanic. It's buried 12,000 feet beneath the sea in total darkness, gone from a world that it momentarily defined, but the Titanic refuses to die. It's a morality play, said historian Stephen Beale. A morality play, observed Newsweek, a biblical warning to those who would dare to challenge the Almighty. Newsweek, a news magazine, would call the sinking of the Titanic a biblical warning? Really? Maybe that's why we need to do it here on Viewpoint today. Maybe that's why we need to talk about it. Because, quite frankly, if there was ever a metaphor of a real life happening that could get our attention other than the flood itself, it might just well be the Titanic. So I want you to hear some of the soundtrack from that movie, not in 1998, but back in the 1950s. As I said, I think that particular movie was superior, but not nearly as flamboyant as the one in 1998. So listen carefully. In fact, don't just listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. The touch of haze on the horizon. There's ice ahead. So 
Yes, what do you see? Ice! Dead ahead! A berg less than a mile away! Thank you. Iceberg right ahead. Harder starboard, Mr. Hitchens. Harder starboard. Helm is hard over, sir. Full speed astern. Closing the watertight doors. Note the time and enter it into the log. Captain on the bridge. You struck something, Mr. Murdoch. An iceberg, sir. I hardly stopped it and ran the engines full astern, but it was too close. I'm afraid she's hit it. Dearest God. I closed the watertight doors, rung the warning bell. Sir, do you hear me? Impossible. This cannot have happened. Dearest God, impossible. Dearest God, impossible. But the possible happened to the impossible. And therein lies the problem. The problem is that you and I on this planet become so used to what we think is possible that we don't consider what otherwise is really possible and we consider impossible. So I want to ask you a question before we go further today on the program. 
because we have much more to talk about here on the program today. Do you have in your mind, have you had in your mind that the country in which you live is virtually permanent for all time, unsinkable, that ultimately something will happen to deliver us from the icebergs of geopolitical wars and rumors of wars, and all of the machinations of the nations that are seeking to destroy, undermine, control even people within our own house. Do you have that imagination in your mind? You might want to dislodge that imagination because it's not true. As God said, all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. What God is honoring are those that honor him. And we're not honoring him at all in this country. Now, I dare say that on board the Titanic were professing Christians and pagans and everybody sort of in between. People that thought they were good people, people that were extremely wealthy, some of the wealthiest people on the planet were on the Titanic. Some of the most notorious, some of the most famous people were on the Titanic, along with regular people like you and me. They were all on the Titanic together. And they all went down with the old canoe, except for those who were saved by the precious few lifeboats that had been prepared. See, one of the problems here in America is we haven't prepared the lifeboats. One of the problems in America is that we, the church, haven't prepared the lifeboats. It reminds me of a song that we used to sing years ago, throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is sinking today. No, we're we're not really doing that anymore. What we're doing is making people, we're rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic, singing nearer my God to thee. That's what we've been doing for the past 50 years in the American church today. The seeker-sensitive movement following on the heels of the church growth movement and then the emerging church movement, all of them in sequence, basically ignoring, openly, blatantly ignoring Jesus' commands, the commands of the disciples, the scriptures, prophecy, all of it, just ignoring it as if somehow we could just go along and do our own thing and saying, uh, singing God bless yous, non-negotiable God bless yous, and slapping one another on our holy backs or not-so-holy backs and uh, lifting our hands in worship while we're desecrating his name Monday through Saturday or Friday. The ship is on the edge of going down, and we don't even realize it. Well, it remains a night to forget for those who were on board the Titanic, but a night to remember for the world, an irresistible tale of tragedy and truth. 
There were 17 movies, 18 documentaries, and at least 130 books have attempted to reveal the moral and spiritual mysteries played out on the in the drama of deception that was played out before the world on the decks of the Titanic. As one said of the RMS Titanic, it's a, it's a moment in time that encapsulates what life is all about. The Titanic wasn't annihilated in an instant. It took two hours and 40 minutes to sink during which people, as we said, rich and poor, young and old, had to make choices. It's an interesting fact that the newspaper reports, magazine articles, and books published shortly after the Titanic sinking referred to eternal truths. Don't hear much about that anymore. I have these books around me right now. Every time I see something about the Titanic, I reach out and take a look at it and try to get it. Because this is a serious development that happened in our world and is a testimony, a prophetic testimony to the entire human race and particularly the Western world. Eternal truths. Yet most of those were secular publications that talked about the eternal truths at that time. Bob Garner, who was a senior producer for Focus on the Family, had been working associate with Dr. Robert Ballard, who first discovered the remains of the great ship in 1985. It was resting two miles down on the ocean floor in the cold pitch blackness of the North Atlantic. There are pivotal points in our lives when we're brought face to face with the things in life that matter most. And at those junctures are choices that you and I have to make. Choices that inevitably determine the course of destiny, and they flow from our viewpoints, you see. Deception often delivers us to the brink of destiny. As James Cameron, the director of the extravaganza film production 1996, said, in a very real sense, we're all on the Titanic. It's a metaphor for life. And he's absolutely right. So let's talk a little bit about this Titanic and uh, get some details, information that would be fascinating, because out of the information comes the secrets for transformation. The Titanic was large, even by today's standards. This was the grandest of the grand, representing all the power, wealth, luxury, and arrogance of its age. And the Titanic was built at the height of the Industrial Age, a time when technology ruled like a god. She was promoted as unsinkable with her 16 watertight compartments. Several passengers wrote in their diaries that they overheard people claim even God couldn't sink this ship. That's how a lot of people think about America. Whether they would verbalize it or not, that's what they think. Because if they didn't think that, they changed their living style. They changed their ways. But we don't. Yet the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable, didn't it? One deception led to another. Passengers boarded, brashly confident in their safety. The ill-fated Captain Edward Smith was boldly confident, cranking up the speed to set a new transatlantic speed record, even as the regal vessel approached the well-known North Atlantic ice fields. No safety drills had been conducted. None.
The wireless operators ignored or made light of repeated warnings of icebergs ahead. How many people are ignoring the warnings concerning our country? How long have we been ignoring those warnings? 50, 60 years now? I have in my files most of those warnings in writing. Yet the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable, didn't it? The wireless operators ignored or made light of repeated warnings of icebergs ahead. Even the captain seemed complacent. At about 11 p.m. when the ship's crew spotted iceberg ahead, frantic orders were given to turn the massive liner. There were a few more dramatic or spine-tingling lines of the history of cinema than those of the Titanic captain in an earlier film when, upon news of iceberg dead ahead, he cries pleadingly to his ship, Turn! 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 There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example... Under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. I want to provide two books to you here today that I think will be helpful to you uh, in the context of the Titanic and the message that it brings to us for consideration. One is Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. In fact, the first chapter, the first chapter of that book is called Titanic Deception. A tale of haunting deception hovering over history's most remarkable and remembered disaster. The other book is Hearts of the Fathers, How to Leave a a Legacy That Lasts. You see, there were a lot of dads that went down, a lot of grandfathers that went down on the old canoe, that is, the Titanic. Many of them, most of them, let the women and children fill whatever lifeboats were available But the men waved them on, hoping upon hope that they too would be able to join them at some point, but knowing deep in their souls it wasn't going to happen. So here's an interesting question. If you were on the Titanic today, what would happen if you went down with the old canoe? What would happen to you don't answer too quickly you see it's circumstances like this when we're faced with reality not wish fulfillment but reality that perhaps we can come to our senses 
Perhaps we would come to a place where we would realize that our lives aren't really right with the Lord. We're not prepared for him. He's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. And we realize when faced with the reality that there are a whole lot of spots, wrinkles, and many such things that we haven't been willing to repent, haven't been willing to confess these before the Lord, haven't been willing to turn from them. And we just continued on thinking that the ship is unsinkable. So everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's cool, right? So the two books, Seduction of the Saints and Hearts of the Fathers. Now, Seduction of the Saints is yours for $15. And uh, Hearts of the Fathers is a $23 book, yours for $18. And they're on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. If it's one book, if you get both of those books at the same time, just add $7 total for postage and handling. In other words, $5 for the first book, $2 for the second. These are life-changing books. Men, if you're really serious about your family and you want to make sure they're on board the ark as opposed to the Titanic, you might just want to seriously get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers. I can almost guarantee you've never read a book like it. The opening chapter with that book also is about the story of the Titanic. Why? Because these, this account is a metaphor for our lives and grabs our attention like almost no other story that we know. So, we were talking about the captain of the Titanic, and you heard his plea when the words iceberg dead ahead were heard, And he cried pleadingly to his ship, turn, 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 and then exclaimed, dearest God, impossible, after it struck the iceberg. Yet the impossible became possible because he did not consider the vulnerability of his ship. They really thought in technological pride at the time, that the ship was unsinkable. So the deception even continued. Even though a 300-foot slice, a little over a quarter inch wide, was scraped by the ice through the hull, nothing was detectable by anyone on board. But the unsinkable ship had been mortally wounded. Has America been mortally wounded? Have you, have your family been mortally wounded? Still nothing was detected by the passengers on board, even as the watertight compartments filled with water. Very few had any clue what was happening. Do you realize that most people don't really have a clue what's happening in our country? They don't have a clue what's happening in the world. We're here on this program 28 years now confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home, combining the issues of our time with biblical prophecy and applying them in such ways that you cannot miss, and people still don't get it. 
people don't tell others, and when they do, the reports come back to me, my friends just don't want to hear. They're not interested. They think they're on an unsinkable ship. That's where we are. But it wasn't until the unsinkable began listing and tilting that the passengers realized they were in trouble. Eva Hart, who was a seven-year-old survivor with her mother, was put on a lifeboat as her father was left behind. And she said, these were his her words, it was dreadful. She could hear the screams echoing across the freezing waters as the huge ship rose and suddenly slipped below. And all was darkness. She said it was absolutely dreadful. Today we would say it was horrible or it was terrible. She was terror-stricken. And so it will be when the consequences of creeping spiritual deception become manifested in our lives as we approach the end of the age. Pomp, pride, power, perks, position keep our spirits falsely afloat while this great unsinkable ship of earth takes on water, ready to plunge into the abyss where time and eternity meet. The overwhelming majority will be deceived. Their destiny will be determined. Their mournful cries will be deafening. The unthinkable will happen to the unsinkable. It will be dreadful, absolutely dreadful, but there's a key, a missing key. Would you like to know about it? I'm sure they would have liked to know about it, but they didn't know about it. And it looked all the world like an ordinary key, but this unremarkable piece of metal could have saved the Titanic from disaster. Those are the opening words in a heart-rending report of remorse in the Telegraph online paper published in the United Kingdom, August 30th, 2007. Catastrophically for the Titanic and her 1,522 passengers that lost their lives, the key's owner, 2nd Officer David Blair, was removed from the crew at the last minute. And in his haste, he forgot to hand the key to his replacement. The key is thought to have fitted the locker that contained the crow's nest binoculars that were vital to detecting lurking threats to the liner in pre-sonar days. And without the glasses, lookouts in the crow's nest had to rely upon their own eyes, which were unable to perceive the disaster lying ahead until it was too late. A survivor, Fred Fleet, was called by Congress to testify. When asked by the chairing U.S. Senator how much sooner the binoculars would have made the looming iceberg visible, he answered, enough to get out of the way. So then, almost a hundred years later, the key and significance has truly come to light, over a hundred years now, and was put up for auction. Alan Aldridge, the auctioneer, said, we think this key is of the most important, one of the most important artifacts from the Titanic to come to light. It is the key that had the potential to save the Titanic. So, what do we draw from that? Well, for want of a key, the Titanic sank. For lack of a seemingly insignificant piece of metal, the world's greatest luxury liner and most of those who trusted in her safety met their demise. Dreadful. The unthinkable happened 
to the unsinkable. And so it's going to be the same way as the great ship of this world plunges at breaknecking speed, setting new global and economic records into the freezing and darkening waters of end-time deception. For most, it's not what we know, but what we don't know that will define a destiny of destruction, both temporally and eternally. Yet we plunge proudly, as did they, thinking we are unsinkable. And it's true both for professing believers and unbelievers. Both went down with the Titanic for lack of a key. The key was not truly seen as significant until after the disaster. Yet it was this seemingly insignificant key, friends, that would have provided the clarity of vision and depth of understanding to avoid the deceptively dangerous iceberg that lay ahead. So, what does that mean for us? Well, at this remarkable and unprecedented moment in human history, the greatest and most significant key to avoid personal and collective shipwreck is ignored or deemed relatively insignificant. What is it? The Bible. The very inspired word of God himself has become either disregarded or disdained. In fact, in America, it's been relegated now to a museum in our national capital. Back, I believe it was 1983, Congress declared it the year of the Bible because they realized the Bible had fallen on very, very hard times in our country. And it was like giving a postmortem. By calling it the year of the Bible. Americans never got any closer to the Bible than they were at that time. In fact, in 1995, George Gallup declared to the National Religious Publishers Group in Dallas, Texas, that the Bible was still revered, supposedly, by the people, but almost never read, and even less obeyed. We'll be back. Much more concerning the Titanic. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. After 37 seconds of breathless waiting after it appeared that the Titanic had hit something, the waiting was over, and it was all so clearly too late. What was done was done. An iceberg had been hit. 
and ripped 300 feet of the stern and opened the floodgates. The special compartments that had been prepared were completely insufficient to be able to stave off the flood of the North Atlantic waters. But we were talking about a key. We were talking about the key that actually, in our lives, is the Bible. So for want of a key, the Titanic sank. For lack of a seemingly insignificant piece of metal, the world's greatest luxury liner, and most of those who trusted in her safety met their demise. It was dreadful, no question about it. But so it's going to be as the great ship of this world plunges at breaknecking speed. You know, we're setting all these new global records, economic records, and yet there's terror in the camp out there. The waters seem very freezing and darkening out there. It's end-time deception. So the, the key, that little key, was not truly seen as significant until after the disaster, was it? And at this remarkable, unprecedented moment in human history, the greatest and most significant key to avoid personal and collective shipwreck is ignored and deemed relatively insignificant. The Bible. It provides the key to life, revealing the dangers lurking not only in the swirling waters around us, but in the dark and turbulent waters ahead. So we're on a collision course, my friends, with destiny. I hate to put it so directly and so bluntly. Destruction for most lies ahead. Our vision is clouded. Our perspective is limited to our personal collective earthbound thoughts. Yet the creator, the Lord of history, knows what lies ahead. And the Bible is like our binocular. It's the key that opens our vision, our hearts, our understanding to see beyond our naked human visual limitations. Yet we have to value the key enough to go get out the binocular that will enable us to see the dastardly deceptions ahead that are waiting privily to destroy the unwary. And it's not the pagans out there that are the problem. Jesus said they're condemned already. Pastor and people, presidents, potentates, the poor, are all on board man's prideful ship, churning headlong into the darkness of deception. Never in human history have the forces of deception combined with the devil's demonic host into such a formidable agent of destruction to lead you, my friend, into perdition and your family and your congregation, my pastor friends. The great warnings to you and me come from our Lord himself and from his disciples. The telegraphed warnings are principally to the church, to those who profess to be followers of Christ. But most aren't going to heed the warnings, just like they did not there with the Titanic. The Apostle Paul warned that they will be gripped by strong delusion, and they'll believe a lie. Some pastors, through proud and neglectful delay, will, like the captain of the Titanic, in the last desperate moment cry, Turn! 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 But it will be too late. And they will wince silently in eternal remorse. Dearest God, impossible. 
But most are going to simply plunge blindly ahead, deceptively be convinced of the unsinkability of their ship in which they have idolatrously placed their trust. Hordes will trust the counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist, for a last great fling on the Titanic of Earth. Spurning the hope and direction promised by Christ, the captain to their salvation, and his seemingly insignificant key, and the carnage, friends, is going to be dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. I want to share just a few extra words from my book, Hearts of the Fathers, the first chapter, Titanic Prophecy. You see, fathers, men, were on board the Titanic. Almost all of them went down to Davy Jones' locker, the depths of the sea. Almost all of them. So in my book, Hearts of the Fathers, it provides the elusive key so that a father and grandfather need never utter the desperate words, iceberg ahead to his family without hope and prayer. The Titanic biblical prophecy of our times, these end times, is ready to be revealed. And it's requiring the response on deck of every man, every father, every grandfather, before the seeming unsinkable happens and becomes the unthinkable. But the key must first open the door of your heart. The heart of the matter is always the heart. And until we come to grips with the reality That God, in his mercy, and by his grace, has tried to communicate to us in so many, many, many different ways, and through so many, many different voices, right there in the Bible, from Old Testament prophets and the accounts of those who failed to follow the word, will, or the ways of the Lord, and the consequences that they experienced, and then moving forward into the New Testament with the disciples and the words of Jesus, warning, their words of warning. Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, which is repeated in a smaller way in a couple of the other Gospels warns about the deception of our time. Jesus made it so clear. He said, the deception is going to be so great, friends, that if it were possible, even the very small, small, small remnant elect would be deceived. You're not talking about masses of millions. He's talking about a small remnant elect who have purified their hearts before the Lord. 
As the Apostle John said, whoever has this hope of the second coming in him will purify himself as Christ is pure. He's not going to lollygag around. He's not going to play cards on the deck of the Titanic. He's going to get serious. He's not going to trust, take me out to the ball game and some peanuts and cracker jacks to save his kids. He's going to get serious. He's going to open up to them the key that would provide the binocular, and he's going to be the dispenser of the binocular because every man is entrusted by God to do just that. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So clear. So clear. I remember when our first child was born. From the moment she was born, God put a mantle on my heart. It was so clear. Chuck, your number one goal, your number one task is to raise up this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Is to teach her, to disciple her, to prepare her, to live valiantly in a world that is not a friend of grace. She's now been my assistant for 30 years. Without her, I don't know what I would do to carry on this ministry. She knows her dad's heart from the inside out. She knows my downsittings and my uprisings even. But because of that investment, we're able to continue on and to bring the key and the binocular to you. Yeah, I know these are tough times. They're tough times that try men's souls, like Thomas Paine once said at the time of the American Revolution. These are the times that try men's souls. Indeed, they are. Don't you think those men on the Titanic's souls were tried deeply? But at that point, it was too late. Too late to say, I'm sorry. And so they winced with horror and terror as they saw their families depart, their wives and their children, knowing that the likelihood they would ever see them again was slim to nil. And then also those kids went out without their dads having invested in them the key of life. Can you imagine anything so sad, more sad than that? And they think back, and they don't have a memory of their father having led them into the paths of righteousness. No. He was playing cards, making money. And then, in his last moments trying to redeem himself by singing, Nearer my God to thee on the deck of the Titanic as it went down. Doesn't work that way, my friend. It, indeed, Walter Lord was right in the title of his book, A Night to Remember, the classic account of the final hours of the Titanic in 1955. That's when he wrote it. But the old canoe went down in the wee hours of 2000, excuse me, of uh, 2012, excuse me, 1912, 1912, 
in the wee hours of the night, April 15th. The ship began its journey to the bottom of the ocean on April 14th. And for many people listening to this program today, your own ship may be on the way to the bottom of Davy Jones' locker spiritually. Because you don't know that the unthinkable can happen to the unsinkable. Today we received word that a dear friend had a stroke and departed from this life yesterday. Nobody expected it. It just happened. How many people go out from their place of work and never get home? They're hit by a drunk driver, go to sleep, drive off the road. Who knows? That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now, that's not just a message for those who have never received Christ as his Savior. And if that's you, then I urge you to come clean with God. This is your moment of truth. This is your valley of decision. This is your time to set things right on the Titanic before it goes down. But for professing Christians who have been living an errant life, maybe a life of apostasy, maybe a life of uh, semi-debauchery, adultery, fornication, deception, who knows what. The Holy Spirit is sufficient to convict and to cleanse. And the good message is that if you will confess your sin, honestly and with integrity and deep remorse and turn from it, the Lord is faithful and just to cleanse you from all your sin and lead you in the path everlasting and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers, and also Seduction of the Saints on our website. That Titanic story begins each book. You'll have it to review and lead the decisions that you need to make thereafter contained in the books. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.